to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. This book that I just started reading, um, super interesting, and it's it's kind of going through uh, seven different geographical regions in the first couple of centuries, and going region by region and talking about how Christianity for the first 400, 500 years was shaped and built in that region. And it's very interesting so far. I'm like I said, I'm not very far into it. I just started it. Sounds a few days interesting. Ago. Yeah, yeah. I I'm excited. I don't that you're know if you're being it. sarcastic. Yeah. Or no, no, no. It sounds really. <laughs> I'm like super interested in that kind of like background stuff. Yeah, I'm just probably not going to read it. I would probably listen to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh. So one of the things that I found interesting is a lot of the theology is, um, is based off of archaeology and archaeological finds, and so one of the things that they made a point in the very first few pages is that there isn't very much Christian archaeology kind of finds before 180. Mm. And it's, and it's for a couple of reasons. One early on Christianity was targeted so much and, and was people were being arrested and put to death for being Christians. So you're not going to have a Christian mosaic on your floor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're not going to do Christian paintings on your walls. Right. Um, and then also because a lot of the people who were coming to faith didn't have the financial means early in the second century to be able to do those kinds of things. Interesting. And so as it became more popular and as they actually began to build churches into the second and third century, then it be- Christian art became more popular. And so gotcha. some of the cultural things are like, you know, we don't have a lot about this region. We know this and this and this. Uh, but it's, man, it's been super Scare fascinating. Me. And it was talking about how uh, how Christianity in Jerusalem, in and around Jerusalem in the beginning, uh, it said didn't even last because after after several Jewish revolts, all the Christians were pushed out. In the first hundred years, Christians were pushed out of out of Jerusalem two different times, mm-hmm. and how salvation had to, Christianity had to be brought back to Jerusalem. So like it's not even like Jerusalem was the hub of Christianity. Like yeah. at different points in the in history, it was. And so I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be very fascinating. Um super excited about learning a little bit more history. Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. I like it. How far are you into it right now? Uh, not far. Gotcha. So, yeah. It, it, so just, I don't know. Right now, right now, I'm yeah, about, sure. <laughs> about halfway. It's 475 pages. Oh, you've read, you've read half the book? Well, by now. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, I see what you're doing there. We're playing with time now. <laughs> so what's your favorite so, part about Ryan, the latter half of no- <laughs> Pierce, nobody knows we record these early. I know, right? <laughs> Nobody's figured it out yet. Nobody's figured it out yet. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, you're wearing different clothes. <laughs> yeah. Of course you changed clothes. It's a different day. You recorded this at 3 a.m. So you could put it out by 5 a.m. If, if we ever have like a really bad gash or something on our, you know, like something that's visible that doesn't yeah. change and we record three or four episodes, I want to see a really bad makeup job. That's you know, that's like covering it up. Yeah. Like, no, I don't have a cut anymore. No, future, I, I do think it'd be fun future if there was a possibility or if it would be possible for us to do this where we do like a live recording every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the podcast that gets released, but is like an actual. Yeah. And just meet up. 
talk for an hour and that just goes out. It's live. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. can watch it live. Be dope. Comment live. Interact live. We have a phone in the middle. They can call in. <laughs> a bat phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If we do that, it has to be like an old school phone. Yeah, we pick up with a cord. Yes. <laughs> a rotary phone. Caller number one. <laughs> Caller number it's one. The only numbers in there are just a list of callers. <laughs> That's great. It's only one line. <laughs> so You're it's like, hey, caller number one. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Simple Show. What can I do for you? Yeah. What can I do for you? Nope, wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> too, no, I don't want to I don't want to buy that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't understand you. What country are you from? <laughs> well, on that note, let's step on over to the PCC, everybody. Come on over to Pierce's Culture Corner Sidestep. There you go. To the PCC. Sit down, get comfortable, make it happen. Uh, today at the PCC, we are talking. So I started watching this show on YouTube. I have a buddy of mine who he asked me, he said, Hey, have you ever, uh, checked out a show called financial audit? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he sent me a couple links and I got sucked into this. Uh, last time you told us about a show, it was horrible. That's true. This one, this one's better. (laughs) This one, I I, I enjoy this one. one. No, no pigs in this one. Uh, so what this guy does, his name is Caleb Hammer. Um, he's based out of Austin. And he decided Is that the dude on Iron Man <laughs> on, on Iron Man, Caleb Hammer. <laughs> oh no, no, that's a different hammer, hammer. on Iron Man, like the superhero or yeah, industry hammer for, industry. Dude, my mind went straight to Iron <laughs> Iron Sorry. Chef, so no. I went like, <laughs> no, and I was like, there's a guy named Caleb Hammer as a chef. Anyway, so anyway, he's not a superhero, Caleb Hammer. He's based out of Austin, and he decided recently, like over the last year or two to create a show on YouTube where he interviews people and he helps people through their finances. He helps them budget stuff. And over the course of a year, he went from a YouTube being a hobby to where he was recently interviewed on another financial podcast. And he said he's at a point now in the last, I think 12 to 14 months, he's the, the channel brings in six figures a month. I know. So like they blew up. And so it was cool to see it to, to like that's, that's, Are we ex- close that's to exciting. That? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Uh, it's cool. It's cool to see people like just have a hobby, have a thing and it just blow up. Like that's cool. It's fun. American dream type stuff. Right. Um, but the, the intention of the show was he was in a place of really bad debt, didn't understand finances, didn't understand investing. And he just did a lot of research. And he, one of the things that he wanted whenever he was going through that journey, his financial journey was something like this show, seeing, seeing people be vulnerable, explain their finances and make a plan to get out of it. And he's like, I never, I didn't really see a lot of that. Like I had to do a bunch of other research to learn how things work. So I want to make this show to, to give a resource to people. And what's cool is now some of his, some of his top performing episodes are over a million views. Like it's cool to see wow. like people, there's an entertainment factor to it as well, because some of the more, some of the better performing ones are either really immature people, uh, people who, um, are like they they're really hung up on the streamer um e e e girl e boy type of mentality of trying to do that whole the whole the twitch thing or the gamer thing so there's entertaining aspects of it as well like how how big of a hole can this dumb person dig themselves into and he's not mocking them throughout it but people are obviously mocking through the comment section and stuff like that so there's entertainment value but also financial value and what's what's cool about it like it makes me so it makes me sad to see people who just become a slave to their finances who who have two or three even if it's just even if it's just like literally their college career like four years of just bad decisions lots of student loans lots of maxing out credit cards and that's like the rest of their life and they and they're and a lot of the times too like people just aren't given good financial advice or financial education i think there's like and, that's the problem is that there's not any education. exactly yeah and it's 
And there's there's also this weird mentality of and I don't, this isn't this isn't across the board, but I've, I, the older I get, the more stories I hear of parents being like, "Well, I had to figure it out on my own, so they're going to figure it out on their own too." And that breaks my heart because I'm like, "Well, you that's stupid. You learned things, pass on what." That's literally how culture has worked forever. I, <laughs> I changed my own things. diapers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I figured it out. That, as soon as I come out of the room, I figured life out. You, you can figure it out too. We have to reinvent fire every time. Exactly. Right? So like there's... For real. I, I'm excited that a show like this is gaining such popularity because it's exposing really basic principles of just spending, of budgeting. Like the really basic principle of don't spend more than you make. Like I actually think it's on purpose. That people... I are, have a feeling that the education system was built to not teach people financial... Like, to make them fall into yeah, the system. Call me conspiracy yeah. theory. Call me... Cammy calls me crunchy now because I'm like... Because <laughs> I'm like realizing... I'm realizing how much of the stuff that is in our world yeah. is, is like like fabricated on purpose. But I really do think that. Yeah. that like, um, it seems like there is a push from these giant financial institutions to control everything. I mean, mm -hmm. exemplified by some hard truths like BlackRock and uh, Vanguard, I think own a ridiculous amount of real estate in the u.s right now hmm. um of like residential real estate and that was part of the goal is like owning a yeah. huge part of the market so if, if their goal is to keep people in i'm going to call it financial slavery mm -hmm. what's the best thing to do is to not teach people basic financial principles in the academic school system yeah so they graduate and they're like oh credit card dope i can just spend it or i can you know what yeah. i mean like i can go buy a car for how much a month instead of That's like exactly right so i feel like it's on purpose I people saw, can disagree but whatever i actually the more you say it i'm actually on following more on your camp because there, there was a there's a meme i saw the other day that says um says i'm 18 now and they've, they've changed the the cigarette law where you can you can't buy smokes unless you're 21 it's like so i'm 18 and i can't buy a pack of cigarettes but you know what i can do is sign paperwork for a hundred thousand dollar student loan yep. And so like you're, yep. it's quote unquote, making lives easier, but making them drag it's easier in the mo easier, quote unquote, easier in the moment, but drastically uh, harder in yeah. the long run. Like, I mean, you start, you become financial slaves. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can have like, you can just kind of keep going. Like mm -hmm. here's these things that make you go, Oh wait, this like, seems like it's on purpose. Like yeah. people aren't supposed to know how to deal with money correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so, uh, wrapping up this real quick i wanted to to thank the both of you if it, it wasn't for you guys in my life like i wouldn't y'all just literally ask questions about my finances and i was like i've never thought about that i never <laughs> i never really thought about owning a house until me and you talked you were about the it. i've talked about this a lot of time you're the only person who's ever taken my advice with real estate and it's dope and you now <laughs> you just bought a giant house in a really nice part of town that's really old yeah a nice house that needs updating which you're gonna this is like we're you're doing. diving in you're yeah. doing it but like you're you're already reaping the benefits of the real estate investments you've made exactly and you're going to continue to reap the benefits of it because of how you're doing it smartly yeah, yeah, yeah and it's yeah and it's through conversations that through that conversation yeah i'm so there's harris princeton delwood so four houses in now um you helped me with my first house with with jumping into the diy projects and stuff like that which i'm still implementing a lot of those there's people that are like wait a minute you know how to change a plug which feels so basic changing a plug but it's because we spent 10 minutes together you teach simple have you teaching me how to change a plug but those are little things that just scare people i get it it's electricity i yeah. get it it's finances it's scary <laughs> it's, um, it's scary like the time that uh i was helping you at the princeton dude. house and i thought the breaker was off well the breaker was off but i didn't know there was another breaker box i forgot and so i keep touching this plug like the wires and i'm like why does it because in my mind it's off and I keep touching it and I'm like why does it feel like it's on what's the and matter like, with it and then finally I'm like oh like it finally got me really good <laughs> like because it's on dude I I called Dylan I was I was working on some stuff and I was like uh I was like what would these wires wires in the uh in the closets and I was like what would these wires be they look like speaker wires like what would these be it's oh, a yeah. security system okay. that's wired through the house 
And, uh, and he was talking about cutting the power to the system and then you should be able to take those wires out and stuff like that. But I hadn't officially like taken away the signal, but there was no electricity according to my little tester. So I was like, well, I can cut these cords and get them out. And there was a patch. No, 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 it didn't pop. But there was like a patch of leg hair that just kept like standing up on its own. And I was like, oh, what is like this? It was, it was just a signal. Yeah, it was okay. a signal going through. So it wasn't full electricity, but no joke, the rest of the night, like I would just feel like this like two inch gap Tingle. on my, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I was like, I've ruined my life for the rest of my life. This, this. But it was just That's sending funny. a signal back and forth. Oh, man. Um, it, it is sad to me, back to your financial stuff, that yeah. more people don't know some basics. Like yeah. literally the, the, the economy would be better if literally people would just not spend more than they have. Yeah. Like, yeah. People are like, I've heard people say, no, 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 because then the whole debt thing crashes. That is a dumb perspective. Like mm -hmm. the economy doesn't rely, it doesn't have to rely on debt. Mm -hmm. Right. The economy can can function without the debt. Yeah. And I'm not, so, I'm not, I'm not opposed to debt. Like, well, if you keep creating overall. more debt to like, eventually the whole thing collapses anyway. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and yeah. it's going to collapse anyway. It's going to be way worse. The, the problem with debt as a currency is that it's fabricated mm -hmm. in the same way that the U.S. dollar is fabricated. But yeah. like it's. And there's a way to use the system and to be smart in the system. Mm -hmm. But if, but most of the time people just fall, uh, they succumb to the system yep. instead of utilizing the yep. system. Like you guys taught me how to use a credit card well and things like that. So anyway, Which there's a, uh, have y'all ever heard Dave Ramsey's perspective on why he doesn't agree with that perspective hmm. of using a credit card? I just recently listened to that book. Uh, oh yeah. You told me total about money it. makeover. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but I think he's right. I'm still using a credit card, but I think he's right <laughs> that even if you're using a credit card, for the benefits, like if you're not spending more than you have and you're paying it off every month, you tend to buy things that you wouldn't buy if you didn't have the ability to buy it without like oh, a physical, like, the mentality. Yeah. like you're, you tend to buy more things than you would otherwise, which I think he's probably right in that. Sure. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not like, man, I, for that 5% back on gas with my Sam's card, as much yeah. as I travel, man, that's like, we buy a lot of Christmas presents Yeah, <laughs> with that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think to your point, there's still a way to use it wisely there's yeah. a lot of conversations that wrap around that but i think even if people actually listen to dave ramsey's basic principles mm -hmm. their life would be so much better oh he's so much better man so much better well hey we could we all three of us could talk about finances for a long time we should like Fine. just do a ramble on finances one day okay right? <laughs> but we're not gonna do that today ryan what are we talking about man Today, we're talking about the financial future. Oh, wait. There we go. <laughs> uh, no, today. Crypto. Why it's dumb to buy a new house. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, reaching the lost and evangelizing the lost, evangelizing those who don't know Christ. Um, and kind of some practical how-tos and what is the main point of it? Why do we do it? But Ryan, isn't evangelism just about making this world a better place? Well, actually, Pierce, no. Uh, there are, I think, a lot of people. Micah brought this up in our in our pre podcast visit and said, you know, like if if Donald Trump or if this famous person or that famous person was just a very bold, outspoken Christian, think of all the impact it could make. And I think a lot of times people have reduced Christianity wrongly to social justice or just kind of a moral aptitude you know like people are just better people or nicer people or whatever and and that's not the goal of christianity of course the goal of christianity is christ mm -hmm. but it it it's interesting to me and i've seen several things online and i've had several different conversations lately it's interesting to me how often it seems that the evangelical model is about uh shaping someone's behavior mm -hmm. so a couple of couple of things that it, looking back on in my childhood Could, yeah real quick what do you mean by evangelical? Because I have a feeling you're using that word different than what it actually means. Okay. So what did I say? Evangelical. I know, but what did I say? <laughs> that it, evangelical perspective usually is like reducing like oh, a moral yeah, perspective. Yeah. So 
the historical viewpoint of evangelicals are people who the gospel is like centered for them. Yes. So the modern, modern though, kind of what people are calling the evangelical church or whatever. It's usually just the lefties who are calling the, even, you know what I mean? Like, okay. it's so like, I, to, so what do we call it? I don't think we should use that term unless we are for sure exactly how we're going to use it. So like, no, you fine. could say like, you could say like modern church yeah. or like, so I would, yeah, that's fine. So modern church, I think is a lot about social justice or moralism or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not, and, and modern church with an asterisk next to it. Cause I don't think it's actually the church. I don't think it's actually the believers, but, uh, there are two things that stand out to me in my growing up years, probably up through 20 that had a big impact on me. And at the time I thought, man, this is really good. Looking back, I think, man, that was really stupid. And one of the things that we did, um, at a camp, there was a time that our church took went to its own camp. We had our own camp. Uh, we were a fairly large church. I was gonna say it must be a rich church. No, I mean it was not. No, I mean it was it was something like you know, I don't know. It, it wasn't a big deal. We had like 120 kids, uh, but it, it was we did we decided one summer to not go to another camp. Oh, to put okay, on, to okay. put on our own our own camp, I right? See. And so one of the things that they really wanted us to learn that year, I think I was a junior in high school. They wanted us to learn what it meant to share the gospel, to evangelize. And they had adult sponsors scattered throughout the campground. And we had teams of about eight to 10 people. Was it that game where you get, you like get persecuted and. No, we didn't, we didn't get persecuted, (laughs) but we had different people wandering around the campsite that we had to, as we bumped into, had to evangelize. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this one lady, uh, she was saying, man, I'm, I'm just so hungry. Do you guys have anything to eat? And none of us had anything to eat. And so uh, we evangelized. She didn't listen. She didn't put her faith in Jesus. And at the end of the day, they bring each group up and each of the leaders that we witnessed to evaluate how we did. And this lady gets up and says to us, said, look, you, you didn't give me anything to eat. So I wasn't going to listen to your message. Uh, if you had given me something to eat, then I would have listened to your message. And it was probably one of the first times I heard somebody say something along the lines mm. of, they don't know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, which I hate. I think that's, <laughs> but anyway, so all I took away from that was I can't share the gospel with somebody until I meet their immediate needs, which was mm. the lesson they tried to give us. Yeah. You have to meet this person's needs of today before you can meet their needs of eternity. Mm. Uh, but I believed that for a while, for a, for a, probably a decade. That's how I felt. I was like, oh yeah, you got to do that. Uh, the other thing was in college, and I mentioned this recently in a sermon, uh, but the other thing is in college, we would go to the clubs. I lived in Lubbock, went to Texas Tech, and we would go to the clubs on Thursday Can you nights. you that one, Pierce? When I was in college, we would go to the clubs and just have a picture of Ryan like <laughs> dancing. And we would, we would stand outside these bars and stuff at like two in the morning so that when people were coming out drunk or on their way home with a one night stand, we would try to, cause those are the best people to witness to. Yeah. So <laughs> we would, we would try to witness to them and invite them to church and tell them about Jesus or whatever. And, and man, it made so much sense to me at the time. Like it felt like, Hey, look how good we are. We go to the clubs to witness to people about Jesus. You probably would have had a bigger impact by going to Whataburger and sitting there and just talking to people that came in at two in after, the morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably so. And so <laughs> that's of, where they go after. Yeah. One of the things that everybody would say back then is that Jesus would minister to the prostitutes, you know, mm-hmm. about five years after that, I was like, man, that was such a dumb thing. And when people would say to me, well, Jesus witnessed to the prostitutes, I said, yes, but never while they were at work. Like he, like he didn't bust up into the brothel and be like, excuse me, have, you, have I told you about myself? Have I told you about me? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so there's, there's all these things I, I think, uh, and I'm throwing all this information out there and then we, I want you guys to kind of go on it, but like, uh, 
uh, we take mission trips and we do these backyard Bible clubs or vacation Bible schools, or we help build a church or whatever, which aren't necessarily bad things. Uh, and my view on missions, we can, we should talk about that sometime, but like, I, I think, I think probably we're most effective when we go on mission trips, when we seek to facilitate the people who are there on the ground, absolutely, who are already, who are living there, who aren't going to be there for just a week. They're absolutely. living there. But, uh, so missions, you go and you try to reach a lot of people for the Lord. Street preachers stand on the corner and they either stand on their chair or their box or whatever, and they they vocalize in some way or another, like, you guys all need Jesus. Or what we did when we went to the Czech Republic is literally we made balloon animals and had people mime the gospel, which was super weird. Uh, why? <laughs> I, but that's my point. I don't know. Right, like now I look back why, on it. I was like, "Why a mime?" I don't know, because you, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, it was the 1920s. It was pretty entertaining at the time. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the point is, I think, I think what we have done is we have made witnessing to people way more complicated, yeah. than we need to. A hundred percent. And we, we've, go ahead. Oh, and we've separated this mindset somehow that like you witness to people when you go on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. And really right. the most effective way of sharing the gospel with people is the people that you're engaging with on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's super interesting that in none of Paul's letters, none of them, does he charge them to go somewhere and go tell everybody about it. But he does charge them about how to behave in their culture mm-hmm. and where they are and to represent Christ. Yeah. Right. And and so I think, I think what we do is I was talking to somebody uh, not very long ago and, and I don't know, man. I, I grew up in a fundamentalist Baptist church until I was eight or nine, something like that, maybe nine or ten. But it was it was all about behavior modification instead of about Christianity. Yeah. So so when we would approach a non Christian, we would say we would say stuff like, "Hey, you need to you need to quit sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or you need to you need to quit drinking, or you need to quit partying." Like this is literally what I was taught. How I was taught to evangelize my fellow high school students. You know, mm-hmm. quit having sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend because you're a sinner, and you know whatever. But like, instead of showing people Jesus, like giving people the gospel, uh, showing people who Christ is, declaring Christ as God to them, declaring that Christ is is the means for life and salvation and righteousness. And it's not that there isn't behavior modification, but I think behavior modification as a gospel presentation falls flat. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's not a gospel. It's not right. No. Yeah, and and so so what we have to do is we have to share Christ with people, and it just I don't know. Like, there's so many strange models that we use. And to your point, Micah, like we we think that sharing the gospel is going on a mission trip, and we place a lot of value in these ten days that we spent somewhere else, and we overlook the other 355 days we have at home around the people we work with and do life with that. I can't even fathom how many people in a day we're encountering that yes, don't know Jesus. I think that's the perspective. And so here's a, here's a, to maybe emphasize that a little more. Ephesians four gives this list of four people that God gives to the church to equip them for the work of the ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then the pastor teacher. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still not a hundred percent sure what the implication of the evangelist is like. So let's just assume it's what we always think it is. Yeah that this is someone who like goes and tells people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why is it that we think there's a group of people, the apostles, that's a group that basically like starts churches or like leads groups of people in the building of the church in the area, the prophets who are proclaiming truth from the word of God, from what God has said. And the pastor teachers who like shepherd the people, we don't, 
we don't typically tell the entire church, hey, you all be an apostle, you all be a mm-hmm. prophet, you all be a pastor, teacher, but somehow we tell them all to be evangelists. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to separate it a little bit because I think sure. there is a role where the evangelist somehow fits in the model of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, sure. right? To, 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 to grow us as the body of Christ as a whole until we become, if you will, the perfect man, the, the yeah. bride that's ready for the bridegroom. Um, I'm not 100% sure from the context of Ephesians 4 what that is. I could make some ganders, but I'm not 100% sure. But I, I don't understand why the implication is not everybody has to be an apostle. Not everybody has to be a prophet. Not everybody has to be a pastor teacher, but everybody has to be an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's different. That's a different perspective than just saying, if I live my life for the glory of God, I will have opportunity to show mm-hmm. Jesus and talk about Jesus to people around me. I kind of think the weight that a lot of of preachers have put on people for years and years and years is an incorrect weight. Sure. We've put this weight of an evangelist on people saying you as a good Christian have to be an evangelist. And I'm not sure where that comes from. Yeah. And so that's, I think it's a quandary because like, where else do you get that idea from? I'm not by any means saying we don't tell people about Jesus. What I'm saying is like, why not everyone is particularly gifted that way. No. And like, why are we, why are we telling people you have to go? Yeah. To your point a second ago about like Paul never tells these people like you have to go all over the place. Paul's going. Yeah. All, all these other people, Peter, like all these other people are going. It seems to be something that God has empowered them by the spirit to go do. Um, but he's not saying to every single church he's at, like, hey, you all need to follow me in the same pattern yeah. to, to, to do this thing. So again, I don't know if that's what evangelist is in Ephesians 4, but let's, assuming that's probably what it is, yeah. it's interesting to me that we take the idea of evangelist and make it something that everybody in the church is supposed it, to do mm-hmm. rather than just say, hey, listen, live your life for the glory of Jesus. And you know what's going to happen in the midst of that is people are going to, there's going to be an opportunity for you to have a conversation yeah. with people about what has given you life and you're going to be able to share Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to your, this answers your question, I think a little bit. You're such a Timothy. The, do, the, do the work of evangelists, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not to the church. Right. So, so the, the word evangelist there is where we, it's the same Greek word, euangelion, mm-hmm. good news, yep. right? So it's the proclaimer of the good news. Sure. Uh, so I think that, I think that, yeah, it's somebody who is a gospel proclaimer. I just, right? I'm saying, I don't know exactly what, like you what can does tie, that look like? you can tie stories in, in, in specifically the new Testament to what an apostle would look like, a prophet yeah. would look like and a pastor teacher, but you, uh, there's no specific reference to no. an evangelist, except Paul telling Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because you're right. Like we have this mindset and I think it's because of, of. Uh, what we call the Great Commission. A lot of people have that view. Sure. Uh, we've done a podcast about that. You should go back and listen to it. Not you, Micah, but... Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think but, I did listen to that one. But, <laughs> but it's, it's one of these things that we, we get so caught up in people's sin. Here, here's, one of the, here's one of my biggest problems with people who are trying to share the gospel with the lost and they come at them addressing first a specific sin in the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it isn't a specific sin that has separated you from God. Sure. Yeah. And and so the fact that this person is sleeping with their boyfriend or their girlfriend or the fact that this person is dishonoring the Lord in their sexual relationships, their uh, whatever, like however you might think that they're dishonoring Jesus, that's not the thing that's ultimately condemned them to hell. You know, through Adam, sin entered the world and death spread to all men because all men have sinned. Mankind is sinful. Mankind, apart from Christ, are enemies of God. 
Uh, they are, we are by nature children of wrath, objects of God's wrath. This is who we are apart from Christ. And so to come to somebody and to, I, I think it sets up our, it, when we have the opportunity to share Christ with somebody and we begin by addressing their sin, I think it confuses the gospel for the person we're speaking to. Yeah. Because we're saying, look, you, you need to quit having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend outside of marriage. And then we attach the gospel to that. Here's mm-hmm. Jesus to You're save you. You're talking about specific sins. Specific sins. Rather than sin our in general. state. Right. Yes. So when you try You're to- You're by no means saying we don't talk about sin in the gospel. No, no, no. I'm talking about <laughs> uh, individuals where, tr- where we're trying to correct that behavior, yes. a, specific, a specific sin. Because then what we've just done is we've just tied their behavior with the gospel. Yeah. And, and now they're going, okay, well, I've corrected my behavior, ergo, I must be a Christian or I must mm-hmm. be doing the right thing. And now that person is going to move forward thinking that their Christianity is based on their behavior modification yeah. rather than their faith in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when we share the gospel with somebody who we, we perceive their specific sin and we try to address the specific sin rather than the fact that all people apart from Christ are sinful— like it, it's, it's the goal of the gospel isn't to address a specific sin. The goal of the gospel is to address sin yes, and death mm-hmm. and, and to, to say to the person, look, you're not guilty before God because you sleep with your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, you're guilty before God because you have denied Christ. Like maybe we could say maybe the goal of the gospel, um, you mean in conversation, right? The goal of the gospel came yes. in conversation is to make people realize that sin has been dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like instead of, cause I think that's where we don't, we don't think of it correctly. Like we're, yeah. we're trying to point to someone like we spend a whole lot of time trying to convince people they're sinful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that obviously that is part of the, the gospel in the sense that like you have to understand your state before God, before you have an, a reason to put your faith in him for life. But I think that, that there is this sense of like the proclamation of what Jesus has done brings to light our state. Does that make sense? Yes. So, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Most of most of the testimonies, quote unquote testimonies I heard growing up were someone who was someone who gets up and says for like 15 minutes, here's all the crap I did in my life. And then you've got a 60 second explanation. <laughs> but man, I put my faith in Jesus. My life is so much better now. That's what I mean. Yeah. I think that's how we tend to talk about the gospel. And, and we've made it's it like, a moral kind of thing. Yes. So instead of that, the goal I think would be to to help people recognize that God has dealt with sin. So yes. 15 minutes of man, here's the beauty of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus conquered. He conquered sin and death through his death and his resurrection. Our hope can rest in him by putting faith in him. We're given new life. We say that. And what you say in that moment is listen, our state in the midst of that conversation, yeah. our state is that every single one of us were born separated from God because of our sin, not because of what we've done, but because yeah. of our, our sin, because we're children of Adam, according to Romans five, but, and see, so you have the 60 second sin yeah. in the 15 minute conversation about what Jesus has done, because if not, then the gospel presented is actually a gospel about us and not a right. gospel about Jesus. Yeah. And, it, and it's, and the gospel comes in as a solution for an immoral world rather than coming yeah. in as a revelation of God. And my question to someone who is stuck on that is why do you care? Why do you care about the morality of the world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man. that's what I mean. I, I like, can hear the answers, but why, it's stupid. Well, bring them. Like, I want to know, like, why is it such a big deal to you that the world is so immoral? Yeah. It's give me a Jesus answer and not a you answer. That's the thing, right? Is yeah. it's a wrong perspective of sin. Mm-hmm. When, when we believe that a specific sin has separated us from God rather than through Adam sin entered the world and therefore all became sinful. Like, 
it's an identity and and the mm-hmm. gospel isn't a change of morality the gospel is a change of identity it's brand new you're yeah, a new yeah. self and so when when we present when we present the uh the gospel as a solution for immoral practice then we've diluted the gospel for one we've made it like weak and powerless I, it's not I the gospel yeah, I don't think it's diluted. I think it's different. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's a different. false gospel. Paul says to hell with those people. Yeah. And preach that. Yeah. And so it's it's one of these things that like we have to be concerned. We have to be concerned and think biblically. To your to your point of the testimony thing, Micah, I remember it's funny because I, I heard a guy recently speak on this and I loved it. He said, for all of you people who are saying, man, I don't have a good testimony because I grew up in a Christian home and my parents <laughs> loved me and they showed me the things of Jesus. He goes, I want you to rethink that. He goes, what a beautiful testimony Absolutely. that is. Yeah. And he said, because because the legacy of Christ is being handed down from generation to generation. And like, what a beautiful story that is. Yeah. He goes, we've been tricked into believing that all of our waywardness makes the testimony beautiful. And it's not our waywardness that makes the testimony beautiful. It's the beauty of Christ that makes mm-hmm. yes. the gospel beautiful. Yes. So so I, I think of it like this. In, in Joshua chapter four, Joshua has taken over leadership of the people. Moses has died. They've, and this is the end of their 40 years. They're about to go into the promised land. And as the people walk in, uh, the people, the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant step into the Jordan, the water begins to stop and pile up. And God tells Joshua, take 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan and set them up tonight at the place where you camp. They'll camp at Gilgal that night and Gilgal will become a high place for the people for years to come. Uh, but he says, take 12 stones out of the middle of the Jordan and take them to where you're going to camp tonight and set them up as a memorial of what God has done. And then it says something interesting in Joshua 4, 9, and it says, and Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priest were standing. So then he comes out and the priests come out and the water returns to flood stage. And it says, those stones are there in the river to this day. And then he takes the 12 stones and goes to Gilgal and they build a camp that night. And down in verses 20 and 21, they build a monument there. There are two monuments built that day. One that is not a testimony of what God has done and one that is a testimony of what God has done. And what's super interesting is the imagery that's used for us in Romans 6 is says that those who have been baptized into Christ, those who have been buried in Christ with baptism have been, been raised to walk in newness of life. And I, th- I contend that those two monuments are the old man and the new man. The old man buried in Christ, which is not a memorial to anybody of what God has done, and the new man, which is the memorial of what God has done. And when we when we make the gospel about who we were without Christ, when we're sharing our testimony with someone and we're expressing to them how bad we were without Christ, all we're trying to do is correct their behavior. Mm-hmm. We are presenting to them a moral case. When we bear the testimony of, look who God is and look what mm-hmm. he's done, now we are inviting them to something that has ramifications for eternity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The sin is not the point. No. And, and so many people make it the point. I, I'll, I'll say this though, too. Like I look back, it, it is amazing how awkward I still feel when I look back on that 17-year-old boy trying so hard to win my Sunday school teacher to the Lord, but she's sitting there going, if you had just given me an apple, Ryan, I would have believed. And, and I'm thinking like now as a 48-year-old guy, I'm like, biblically, that's not even remotely true. There were plenty of people that God gave everything to and mm-hmm. they disbelieved, you know? Uh, and, and, and so it's, it's this interesting mindset. Like there isn't anything, and I'm not saying you don't ever meet people's needs. I'm not saying you don't ever seek to. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, like none of us would say that. Like right. we, we wouldn't, if, if we're somewhere and someone's hungry, 
Yeah, you feed them. We wouldn't go. Yeah, I mean, someone I guess could point to Peter with the dude on the steps. Yeah, and be like, but Peter didn't have anything to right, offer. Yeah, right. and that's the point. Is like he he gave him that, that something. That's exactly the point because. Yeah. And I wish I had been smart enough at 17 to bring up John 3 and say, look, Peter and Paul or Peter and John did not have food or gold or silver to give to this man. They said, we have something better to give you. You should have like, you should have like touched her ankle and been like, cause she's probably old and been like, <laughs> your plantar fasciitis is gone. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like it, my teachers, my Sunday school teachers were trying to make a good point, but it wasn't a biblical point. It's because, yeah, it's usually because people are taught a perspective of yes. the gospel that's not that's not Jesus centered. It is yeah. it is moral centered. So think about it this way: like if if you preach the gospel as the whole point is to be rid of sin, rather than the point being finding new life in Christ, yep, then you're probably going to live that way post faith in Jesus, where your entire yeah. life is about sin avoidance rather than the life that's in Christ. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. That it's just, then it, if you present the gospel falsely and yeah. you make it about a behavior modification, then that's what your whole so-called Christian life will be about. I, and I, I'm, I'm going to get a bunch of crap for this. I am actually beginning to wonder more and more. I said this really bad, bad to, bad, bad to a friend of mine named Gary recently. Um, I said, I think there's less and less people that are believers in the church. That's not what I meant. What I meant was I'm recognizing that my perspective was that there are more believers and I'm recognizing I was wrong. I think there's less believers in churches than I thought there were. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because people have believed a false gospel. Yeah. I'm not talking about like a prosperity gospel. Nope. Even. What I'm talking about is a gospel that focuses on you being rid of sin and then you continuing to stay away from sin. Yeah. If the goal of the gospel isn't Jesus, it's not the gospel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I think back to uh, evangelism explosion and taking that as a course when I was in. Do you still have those pins? I do. Yeah. There you go, man. Uh, but I, I was thinking about evangelism explosion and being in seventh grade or eighth grade and taking that class with the pastor's daughter. We were the only two youth who signed up for it because it was, it took the place of Wednesday night youth. So I cannot, for the life of me, remember the the lady who taught us. She was awesome. She was super sweet. Loved Jesus. Uh, very formative for me in my faith. I cannot remember her, but uh, youth would happen regularly on Wednesday nights. And then she and the pastor's daughter and I would meet in the little tiny church library office. It was very small. And we would sit there and go through our book. And then we would go and we would witness to friends of ours from school, or we'd go witness to apartment complexes and we'd put it to practice. And it was amazing. Like uh, it taught me to be more bold in my faith. Unfortunately, it, it the gospel presentation, it, it was almost always like a bait and switch a little bit. Like, let me, let me, let me build up this story for you. Hey, how do you like that story? Okay. Now here, let me tell you about Jesus yeah. instead of it. Just like, I'll tell you this. I, I really struggle now with the idea of Christian food pantries that will say, we're only going to feed you if you listen to the preacher first. Mm -hmm. Like I have a hard time with that mm. personally. I can't say if it's right or There's wrong. There's a I, I can think of some scenarios I've seen that it works. Yeah. Um. It's because most of the ones I've seen are homeless shelters, mm. uh, or not shelters, but like some kind of ministry to the homeless. Mm -hmm. And it is a the one I saw in Shreveport, which was a pretty great, I thought idea is like people could gain credit at the little. Um, place to credit to do things like you can you have credit to do your laundry you have credit to do gotcha. like get food and things so but they would get credit by going to these classes oh cool and so it was a uh, economic system market if you will yeah built for getting them in 
knowing that culturally um, that is not going to be tend to be the case for them. They tend to just going to take and go. So I I think maybe a better way to say it is we should be contextualized. So you might be in an environment where, where in a culture, because your, your, your struggle with it is also just from what you're used to in this culture. My experience. Right. So it could be different somewhere else in the world where that might be a necessity culturally. Sure. You know what I mean? To, to get people to listen. So I think the idea is contextualize into your culture, which I think is what Paul did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where did he, where did he go when he visited new cities? Synagogue. He went to the Jewish synagogue first because yeah. that's his people. It's so he's contextualizing there first, yeah. and then he kind of spreads out seemingly to the rest of the culture. He where he sometimes goes to the to Mars Hill, and so like there's a sense of contextualizing in the culture that we forget about. Like, and from the positive perspective, so many people have already contextualized into their culture. You are already parents. You are already part of a sports team that your kids are playing on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, you're already at school. Like, you're already at. Co- you're already in these environments where you're you don't have to go into a foreign environment no, and train yourself. No, yeah. and you are. I, I'm. I might be wrong, but I don't feel like every single person's called to be an evangelist in, in that role of like. Oh, I agree with the, you. So yeah. I think that take the weight off, Mm -hmm. just do life in the contextualization that you're in, like whatever context of life you're in and live it for the glory of Jesus. And when conversations come up and when opportunities come, talk about Jesus, but don't live your day in and day out life thinking I'm such a terrible person because I didn't tell someone about Jesus today. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's everybody's role all the time. I agree. I I think that there will probably come a point for every believer where it naturally occurs for them to share their faith. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you're living your life for the glory of Jesus, people will notice and people will ask will be yes. conversations but that happen. as far as it being a specific giftedness for every believer yeah i don't think it is a specific giftedness mm-hmm. for every believer i is, know people who are like they go somewhere and they just talk to jesus about jesus to everybody and yeah. it's natural and yeah. i've seen people go man i feel bad that i'm not like them yeah mm-hmm. but they well, don't go you know what man ryan teaches like everywhere he goes i feel bad that i can't teach the bible <laughs> like I, can teach. I was about to make a, a similar point the i am not a natural evangelist it is hard for me to just, I don't know, share the gospel with somebody. Like I had a friend in college and you knew you didn't want to go to Walmart with her because <laughs> not because you were embarrassed by her. She was incredibly impressive. It took a long time. But long you time, knew yeah. that she was like, hey, I'm just going to run in and get some milk and then we'll go. And you're like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> because because next thing you know, she's there on the dairy aisle on the floor with somebody holding them while they're crying and yeah. she's leading them to the Lord. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, it was amazing. Can we get a picture? <laughs> like, it was amazing. That's awesome. Like, that's just who she she was yeah, yeah. and, and super I, ha- cool. I haven't seen her in 23 I just years. Had this I'm vision of this like in Walmart and this lady's like, <laughs> I, ima- I imagine that it, she's still that way. Like, yeah. listen, if you ever go to the shoe, I remember one story specifically. She, she was looking for some cheap flip flops for something at w- Walmart. She's standing there and a lady next to her, she goes, uh, she goes, can I just ask you, do you, do you like these sandals or these sandals better? She goes, I'm just trying to get some. And I forget if it was for her or her daughter or whatever. And my friend was like, well, I like these sandals better. And then within 30 seconds was like, so about Jesus. And like this lady's <laughs> sitting here repenting and coming to faith, <laughs> getting flip-flops, flip-flops. And, yeah. you know, and, and she's just gifted that way. Yeah. I, I'm not, uh, I do land more towards teacher. I, there's no more towards that's, I, exactly what it is <laughs> i i love when people go what do you think the bible means here help me yeah. understand like mm-hmm. 
golly, all day long, I want to do that. Like people will apologize to me and say, man, I'm sorry to ask you another question. I'm like, oh my gosh, no, please ask me all the questions, <laughs> you know? And, and so, but it doesn't mean that there won't ever be a time for me to share my faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I've had the opportunity to do that. And I, and I, and I seek to do that. Okay. That's an interest. I just, just thought about this. Why do we use that phrase? Which one? Share my faith. Mm. I'm trying to think of a text. Does it come from a text? I don't know. I don't know. Because it, I'm wondering if that, I mean, unless it comes from a text, I'm wondering if that potentially is what kills us too. It's like, it's our testimony. It's I'm sharing my mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think it's like bad. I'm just thinking like maybe the goal should be for people's perspective to be resting on Jesus. Like, yeah. let me talk about what Jesus has done. Even if it's what Jesus has done for me, maybe this, that's the idea is like mm-hmm. you share your faith is what Jesus has done. But I feel like sharing your faith is usually like, let me tell you about my life story. Yes. Like where I was and then where Instead I came to. Instead of Christ. goes back to what we were saying a right. moment just, ago. Just like as somehow, we think somehow the weight of our story gives more benefit to the gospel or more power to the gospel. You know what's clear through the New Testament? The power of the gospel rests in the hands of the spirit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not in us. It doesn't matter how good my quote unquote story is. The power of the gospel is not in me. It's not in my yep. ability to, to talk about it. It's not in my ability to like share a good story. Now I, I gotta be honest. I, I want to be, I want to be as clear as I can be on the gospel. Like sure. I think about it a lot when I'm talking about, um, I, I, I had a gospel conversation with a dude this summer, a disc golfer. Um, and it was, I'm not even joking. It, I knew I had like 30 seconds. Yeah. He asked me a question and I knew it was this window and I, he was going to shut it down quick. And I had 30 seconds to just like, boom, pound it. Mm-hmm. And so I just, 30 seconds was like, I, <laughs> 30 seconds of evidence is better than 20 seconds. Anyways, but, uh, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> sorry, you, you smiled. <laughs> but <laughs> without the derailment. All right. Sorry. So bringing us back, I didn't have a presentation prepped. Where I said, all right, sit down. Let me tell you my long story. Yeah. I just, 30 seconds was like, yeah. let me tell you what God's perspective of, of us is and what he offers us through faith in Jesus. And that was it. That yeah. was the end of the conversation. I wasn't sharing my faith. I'm not saying, again, I'm not right. saying this is like a bad thing. I'm just wondering why we use that. Instead of saying sharing the gospel, sharing the story of Jesus, sharing the good news of Jesus, yeah. why is it sharing my faith? Maybe, I'm trying to pull it up. It won't pull up for me, but... uh Maybe I think it's First Thessalonians one, and I think it's in Romans one as well, where Paul, a couple of places where Paul will say something like, "Your faith is spoken about everywhere." Yeah, yeah. So maybe that kind of concept is what we've brought into this. You think uh, the ones I can think of, he's like saying how he's been encouraged hearing about their faith. Yeah, yeah how yeah. he as a believer, right, has been encouraged about hearing about their faith. Yeah, not that other people are yeah. non-believers are right. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I'm just wondering if that's something that we've taken and maybe used wrong yeah. again. I don't think it's like a wrong thing. I just wonder if it would be better if our perspective was not sharing my faith, yeah. not sharing my story, but sharing the story of Jesus. And in the midst of sharing the story that's of Jesus, better. if you have the opportunity to talk about what Jesus has done in your life, absolutely. But don't let that be the, my thought is don't let that be the forefront of your thinking of evangelism, yeah. let the forefront of your thinking be, I want to share the story, the good news of Jesus with people. I bet that's what it is. Why not? Bet? I bet that's a portion of it, of like the word, like, like testimony and witness is that people are, here's my account of, 
like my here's here's how here's my testimonial of what Christ has done for me, or or it's more specifically like for uh, for the apostles, they they were, gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord. Like they, I witnessed the resurrection yeah, yeah. of the Lord. So, but see, uh, even then, it's like not their story. It's yeah, them, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that probably evolved into I gotcha. sharing, yeah, sharing my faith. Because when they're given the testimony, they're saying, exactly. "I witnessed it." Mm-hmm, yeah. Which is a better, yeah, which, which goes into what you're saying a second ago is there's an aspect of that may be sharing what Christ did for you or to you, but still in that, in that motivation, the motivation still is here's what Christ has done, not what you know, my story necessarily. Yeah. And I yeah. think you, I think you could potentially blend the blessings and benefits you get in with the gospel mm-hmm. where someone thinks, oh, so if I put my faith in Jesus, yeah, I, this might happen for me too. Yeah, 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 you know, like someone tells their story, like, man, I was addicted to drugs and addicted to all this stuff. I put my faith in Jesus; that's gone. And someone's like, ah, oh, crap! I've been wanting to get out of drug addiction. I should try this thing. Jesus the goal of their answer, yeah. say, them yeah. saying that is, I want to get out of drug addiction. Yeah, that's yeah. not the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel is you are separated from God because we're all born in a sin and God yeah, yeah, yeah. rescued us from, gave us a way out by sending us Jesus. And by literally just putting our faith in Jesus, we're given new life. We talk about your addiction post that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the goal is not to get out of your addictions. Mm-hmm. No. If that's the case then Christians would never be addicted to anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it has to be, has to be secondary at least, at least secondary to the gospel. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By no means am I saying don't, in, in that conversation or any conversation, talk about the things God has done in your life. I just am yeah. wondering if part of the problem in sharing the gospel is that we have put our story in the forefront rather yeah. than the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had somebody tell me recently that they had gone to a, a weekend kind of Christian thing and that a lot of the people that were sharing their testimonies, it was just about how bad they had been. Yep. You know, kind of like you were saying, and they're up there and they're crying and they're talking about, which, which is a really weird thing to me also for somebody like who's been a believer 20 years and you're telling the really sad story of how bad you've been and you're crying and then you tack on at the very end, but thanks be to God for, you know, Jesus Christ. And, and like, I don't know, man, like the, the, again, the gospel isn't about the moral change in the person. It's not about a behavior modification. It is about the righteousness of God. It is about the person of God. It's about sanctification and holiness and forgiveness and redemption and justification. And it, it and it's what has been addressed isn't an individual's behavior, but the individual's nature. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Which if, if someone's like, okay, I want to talk about behavior change, then let's talk about it after your nature changes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and the problem is if you talk to somebody who is morally good, like it, I was, I became a Christian at a very early age, but I was a good kid. Uh, it did what I was supposed to do. Obeyed my mom and dad, made good grades, whatever. Right. But like, mm-hmm. but like your gospel presentation of, Hey, you're not very moral. That's not going to work with me. No, mm-hmm. I had, I had Mormon friends growing up. How would I share the gospel with them? If it's a behavior modification? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. that's stupid. The gospel doesn't work if it's mm-hmm. b- behavior modification. Nope. I mean, what about Southeast Asia or, or the middle East or Africa where there's these like big Muslim populations where they're very moral? Yes. Mm-hmm. And like how do you share the gospel with them? If it's a behavior modi- their, yeah. modification, their idea in Southeast Asia a lot of places in Southeast Asia, Muslims is that Christianity are the immoral people. Yeah. So there's no way you could you could come in as a Christian and say, "Let me tell you how to be a better person morally." <laughs> they would because yeah. they'll, they'll be like, "What?" Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's. Uh, I saw an interview with a guy that was Muslim recently, and he was talking about how Americans um, are so immoral, and that Americans don't take care of their kids well, 
And he said, you guys let your second graders have cell phones that have access to all sorts of wicked things and all. And he goes, we would never do that. And he's talking from a strictly adherent to the, yeah. the Muslim laws and whatever. And he's like, man, we, we wouldn't do that. Like we, we care about our kids more. So you're right. Their perception is we care more about, more yeah. about our people and the rules than you guys do. Right. Yeah. How arrogant of us to think that on a moral basis, we're the best. Yeah. Which is stupid because we shouldn't care anyways. Like not, right. not I'm not saying be immoral. I'm just saying like the goal of our life isn't to be moral people. I think that's what keeps a lot of, of actual believers in slavery though, is that they are still acting like they live in slavery to sin. Yeah. Absolutely. And they haven't actually recognized that the gospel is freedom from that. Yeah. There's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because you've been set free from the law of sin and death by the law of the spirit of life. Like mm-hmm. why is that not the basis of our perspective of who we are and how we proclaim the gospel. Like what if I told someone, okay, let's just say I I ran into someone who is in some kind of drug addiction and they're like, man, I just want to be out of this. And they're not a believer. What if, what if my perspective of the gospel to share with them was, listen, what if I told you that God doesn't view you based on your addictions or your not addictions? Yeah. What if I told you that God's view of you is based on whether or not you have new life because you put faith in Jesus Christ? Yeah. What if I Absolutely. told you that God can rescue this, but ultimately what God wants to do is actually give you new life and yeah. then watch how he begins to change who you are because you could become a brand new person. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a better gospel presentation than, man, God can rescue from this situation you're in right now. Well, to help your you point. better. It's not a better gospel presentation. It's the gospel. It's actually yeah, an yeah. actual it's gospel presentation. Gospel. Because, yeah. because, <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> because the other one isn't. It's yeah. not the gospel. Yeah. Which, yeah, that needs to be exposed. Which it, I think it all boils down to exactly what you just said, or both of you guys, was this just, it's a, it's a tell of their perspective of what the gospel really is. And so, mm-hmm. and even if, and even if they don't actually think through all these steps, like, what it what it shows is um, like they're they're probably a person who feels like when they sin they've got to they've got to make it right with God, um, and therefore and maybe I can't say that across the board but like I think it comes from that heartbeat for sure, um, and therefore like okay change this change this modification and then I'll or, or do this behavior modification then I'll introduce you to my Savior like prove that you're worthy mm. to get the good news essentially mm. and then yeah. and then as your life continues change oh, you got, yourself so yeah. that guy can come in and, exactly and say hey this no no this guy's good he totally changed that thing about him and then and then adds like inevitably as they go through mm. life oh crap i didn't change that one thing about me god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry yeah. please keep me in here i'll change that one thing and, and it's a terrible view of the gospel it's it's a whole new breed of, of slavery to condemnation yep. yeah exactly yep. well and and to micah's point that I don't think that everyone is gifted as an evangelist. I, I'm i incredibly awkward when I just kind of like cold approach people, you mm-hmm. know? Um, our family, Michelle's family, her extended family, we have lunch with them every Saturday at Rose's or most Saturdays. And a couple of weeks ago, we were at Rose's and we're all sitting there and they're all talking and stuff. And uh, at a booth, I don't know, 15 feet away is an older woman sitting there by herself. She finishes her lunch. She sits there by herself, pushes her plate away sitting there by herself and wipes her eyes a few times and is just kind of like looking through the wall of roses, you know, and just like. That's it, impressive. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. So she's just, she's just thousand yard stare kind yeah, yeah. of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man. And so I kept, my attention kept being drawn to this older woman and she's again, completely by herself. People are bustling around. It's a Saturday and She's not looking even at people as they pass by, nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on with her, but I felt very strongly like, so I went to get some more tea or whatever. And I just kind of stopped at her table. I was like, ma'am, are you, are you okay? Is there anything that you need? And she goes, yeah, I'm fine. 
<laughs> and, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm I'm sorry to bother you. I, I just said you just seemed really deeply lost in thought. Just wanted to make sure that you're okay. If there was anything that I could do for you, and she goes, Yeah, I'm just lost in thought. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just thinking, man. <laughs> <laughs> and and she was like, and I was like, Okay, well, I'm sorry. And she was like, Okay. And I was like, well, crap, <laughs> you know? And so I went and I got my team and I came back. She was gone because I guess she was like, you ruined awkward. it for her. Oh, and she said, she said to me, she goes, sorry, I worried you so much. <laughs> and I was like, I, I just wanted to make sure you're okay. <laughs> you so know, funny. you're never going to approach anybody ever again. <laughs> never. Yeah. That was my one chance. I was hoping for like a fun punchline. Like she just ate a really spicy burrito. So she was having to like white bread or she was blind. And so she's just staring straight oh, at would be awesome straight if she's <laughs> Dude, she was, she gets up with a walk. He's like, oh. She was so offended by me. Her. I was just like, and, and I was, I was, I felt like I was, it's because it's because you're a shepherd. It's because yeah. your gifting is is you're a pastor and like you. I mean, that's literally that's literally how you approach it. You approach it as if it's someone that. How do I help this woman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that you could shepherd, which is totally fine. But I so, see how that would be awkward in certain situations. So as to like, what if she was blind? When I was when I was twenty two and waiting tables at at uh, Chili's Lubbock. Mm -hmm there's this big top and me and my whoever was in my section we were working this big top like 15 people what's a big top uh it's, it's when you circus. push like five tables together you know like oh, okay. three or four, okay. three to five tables together something like that so so <laughs> so see elephant walking we were waiting the table. we were waiting the circus everybody's sit, everybody's sitting around and they're talking they're eating their chips and queso their mm -hmm. chips and uh, salsa or whatever uh and dinner comes and me and my, uh, my coworker put out everybody's food and everybody like bends over with their like faces, basically just six inches above their plates and they're all eating except for this one lady who's sitting up really proper and she's eating and she's bringing her food to her mouth. And, and I just gotta say, I just went to her and I was like, look, ma'am, I was like, I've been working here for a year and I have, I have never seen anyone with as impressive posture as you have. Mm -hmm. She goes, oh, I have a steel rod in my back. <laughs> From a car wreck I had when I was 16. <laughs> you butthole. Thanks for reminding me of my misery. I was like, well, that'll do it. <laughs> Posture's great, though. I love, I love that. It's funny to me that like you already have an aversion to so, those social environments. And it's I like you them. have story after story of the, how awkward it gets. Like It's like it perpetuates this awkwardness yes, for you. I, I do not. Uh, yeah, it's people okay on the flip side it's funny to me how like the the flip of you approaching people we've been in so many situations where pierce and i noticed like that people are drawn to you mm -hmm. like my, my my favorite thing i don't know if i should say this on the podcast but i'm about to so for <laughs> <laughs> long beat so we're <laughs> when we were at end of the mountain gods and uh pierce and i were already out of money <laughs> so oh yeah this we, went to, we went to get a drink and came came back walked into the casino and one of the one of the uh um dealers you, was you've told this story on, before but i don't remember it at all yeah, she was on break and you were standing between the two tables talking to her about life and then i look mm -hmm. up and you put your hand on her on her shoulder and you start praying for her like in between the blackjack and the three-card poker table you're like doing ministry and in, <laughs> in this case so but she you just talked to her at the table she found out you're a pastor. You guys talked. And then when she, she was on break right after that, and you just moved away from the table and started talking to her. So on the flip side of you approaching people, there are people who approach you. Sure. I think because of that, of that giftedness, I, people, 
I can't think of a time someone's approached me like that and been like, hey, can you <laughs> help me through this? It's because you're like uh, upset that you just lost your last five bucks. At <laughs> I'm like, that old guy just hit on 18 yeah. three times in a row. Oh, and like, so belt loops and old oh, guys. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I think I, we can make a long list. That's why I can't sit at blackjack with you guys because I don't know the rules like you guys do, and we'll I don't just want to you off. You. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, stop! He's like, it's like thirteen. Stay. I'm like, <laughs> you don't know the basic. If, if they're showing a twelve, that's that's okay. But like, anyways. But I think <laughs> lock this in the memory. It, it is it is funny to me. My guess is you actually probably for a long time felt tension over the evangelism thing. Totally. Because, because I felt, felt like I was guilty. supposed to. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think what I, was tr- what I was trying to say earlier is we somehow have, have given people this perspective of you all have to be gifted evangelists. Yeah. yeah. I am not talking about just telling the story of Jesus. I'm talking right. about functioning in the role of an Ephesians four evangelist. Mm-hmm. And I think we've somehow made it, everybody think that they, everybody has to do it. That's you all right. have to go on a mission trip. You all have to go yeah. every, you know, you need to tell Jesus, tell someone about Jesus every single day. I, I actually think opinion. I think if you're living your life for the glory of God, mm-hmm. whatever you do in order to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, my guess is that people notice. Yeah. And then it, even if you're not getting to have the conversation every day, there will be times you get to have the conversation. Absolutely. And maybe things you don't know, like maybe someone has noticed something in you that sparked a conversation with a believer somewhere else mm-hmm. because you're living for the glory of God and they saw something and the spirit was using that to draw them in. And then you never even knew about it. They had a conversation with someone else and maybe they got saved, you know, in another environment because mm-hmm. you literally just live for the glory of God. How is that not weighty? That's weighty. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. I think take the burden off of trying everybody trying to be an evangelist, just live your life for the glory <laughs> of God and watch how God allows opportunities for the gospel to be proclaimed in mm-hmm. your life, and then in conversation. I just don't, I don't understand biblically where someone gets the idea that every single one of us have to be people that are out, like in social environments, just, just you know, from the rooftops proclaiming the gospel. Yeah, yeah. again, because we don't think that that's what the last few verses of Matthew 28 proclaim. And so yeah. some people do, but yeah. When I feel like every bit of curriculum that I've seen in regards to like a D-Now weekend or even the camps that we've been a part of, the last day is always, what are you going to do about it? And the, what are you going to do about it? They emphasize is evangelism. So like here, here is basically here's a day or two or, or for a camp, like four days of a gospel presentation, a lot of, um, coming down to the altar, coming out of the front or whatever. A lot of those types of conversations, which is dope, share the gospel all day long. Um, but in the last day, usually, what are you going to do? And every time I have to rewrite that because what it is, is here, okay, now you know Jesus. Now you have to go tell everybody type of thing. Instead of everything you do in world or deed, do it for the glory of God. Yeah. Like teaching teaching an yeah. understanding of now Now you have new life. And what does that new life mean? Who are you now in Christ? It's not It's not God shook the dirt off you. Now you keep the dirt off and tell everybody about, about how you got the dirt off. It's rather embrace the new life you have I'm in more Jesus. concerned, like in a high school environment, that none of their other friends notice that they're followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like what, if you can, if you can have an eloquent presentation of the gospel, but they're like, well, that's bull crap because everything else in your life looks opposite of that. That's exactly. more concerning to me than teaching yeah, someone like an eloquent presentation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. What if that person, instead of like learning this eloquent presentation, set their heart on living for the glory of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what? It should be, it should be a five minute training session on telling someone how to explain the gospel. Yeah. Here's the gospel. Here's the new life you have. If someone 
gets you get the chance to talk to someone about it, here's what you explain to them. Here's what God has done for us through Jesus. Yeah. And the promise is it's, it's simple. You don't have to do anything. Just put your faith in what God's done for us through Jesus. That's yeah. it. It's not it's not a big class. Yeah. I don't have to wear <laughs> pins on my shoulder and um hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, there are people who are really, really good at those conversations. Yes. Uh, okay. In different contexts. I just had this thought. Like um, someone like Josh Schultz could have a really good gospel conversation with someone who's incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not going to be me because they're going to be super defensive because I'm going to wreck like every, I'm going to poke holes in every one of their little arguments. And then I, I'm not able to, I'm not able to engage on that. And I, I'm not smart enough like josh is to engage on the intellectual level uh put me with an athlete yeah mm-hmm. put me with you know uh, there's a lot of environments i'm really good in but i'm not good in every environment and i think if if a mindset is you got to share jesus with everybody mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be the best scenario you know yeah, what i mean probably. there are there are people in your in you guys world that like I, i'm not going to be able to go to a, the concert world i'm not gonna yeah, be able yeah. to go to the hardcore well, environment and be like <laughs> They're going to be like, what are you wearing? There was one time. Yeah, right. There was one time that we, so our mentality towards, towards, uh, towards playing music and playing metal shows and stuff like that was ministry. Yeah. And so, but a lot of people's perspective of ministry is this, this type of skewed view of, or a cultural view of evangelism. Right. And so no joke, we had talked to some of the friends that we were bringing, Hey, our intentionality here, we'll play the show. We entertain it for sure, but we wanted to to make connections, build relationships with the goal of the gospel in mind. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how just a brief overview. And there was one time, no joke. We finished our set. We got, we got the stage cleared off and one of our friends that we that we brought with us she was like in her sunday best with her bible oh like like on the wall like just and she was stoked to go to the gospel just not contextualizing to to the environment she was right. in she was so excited but she had no clue like okay how do i just go jump into a gospel presentation what I, how do i do this so she's sitting there against the wall with this huge study bible like not even just a little bible but this massive just textbook of a bible you should have told you and you gotta go like, get in the pit for a little bit yeah, before you can like right, yeah. share jesus with people <laughs> if your nose so, isn't bleeding you're not part of the culture you're not part of yeah, yeah exactly. Them, he right? busted any teeth. What are you doing? <laughs> so at a Harry Potter thing, do you, <laughs> do, do you tell people like, look, man, you're Dobby and Jesus is giving you a sock. <laughs> that's right. I don't even that's know what a, that is. That's a brilliant presentation. I'm going to steal it now. <laughs> I thought of it. I thought of it after the third service and I was like, that's, we're free from slavery to sin. That's what I should have told people. <laughs> I was like, for all you Harry you're Dobby people. with a sock. Yeah. Did you watch this? <laughs> uh, we watched through it. Like, okay with uh in covid like when oh, okay. we, yeah so the boys had never I've seen i've never the heard you make a harry potter reference that's why i was like wait a minute <laughs> so the books came out like when i was in college i had no interest in reading them mm-hmm. um but during it was a sin back then <laughs> it, it was <laughs> yeah it was but but also i i just didn't have an interest in reading them mm-hmm. uh that was probably good because i listened to the first one and it yep. sucked and so <laughs> sorry so when the during COVID when we were just shut down and the boys were doing school at home and you couldn't go to any restaurants or whatever, like we did like movie nights almost every night. And, and so eventually we watched, I think all the Harry Potter movies. You ran out of movies, you found those and you're like, oh, we'll just someone, I heard someone recently called Fort Contra elementary Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Which I did understand that reference because I listened to the first book. There you go. I feel like even if you haven't read the books, Hogwarts should be at least like something it's, you know. Yeah, there's an aspect of it being somewhat permeated into entertainment yeah. culture. Yeah. That's what, man, there was somebody who made like a Star Wars reference a few years ago. You have to see a dermatologist because you have Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a pretty basic like, I am your father reference. Yeah. And like, there's one person in the group was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, I'm like, no, no, that's like Star Wars. And they were like, oh, I've never seen him. 
And I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you've even seen right. him. Like, it's been so culturally relevant for the last 50 years. Yeah, like, like, pretty like, much in every generation. Exactly. Disney's yeah. still making Star yeah. Wars films. So it's not even just like the Absolutely. old people. Yeah. And I feel like even something that, I feel like, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat. I feel mm -hmm. like that's going to hit most people. Most people yeah. are going to recognize that reference. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you, but I've seen Jaws all the way through. And I know the reference. Oh, that one's from Jaws? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought <laughs> it was from, Titanic. It's from, it's from Jaws 3D. That would be hysterical. <laughs> the Titanic sinking. Well, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> that would be a really funny clip. <laughs> that would be awesome. Try to edit together Jaws yeah. and, and Titanic. <laughs> You have Dude. you have the the scene of Titanic, but then it cuts to where Jaws is on the back That's of the boat pulling it down, imagine. and then you cut back to Titanic yes. and it's sinking. <laughs> have y'all seen the Meg, the Meg, and the Meg Two? Absolutely. Uh, have you seen the second one? Absolutely. Was it good? No, it, it just got on HBO wait, Max. Wait, wait. So, uh, then what do you mean by good? These yeah. are entertaining. These are B sci fi movies. I don't yeah, mean yeah. like Oscar. -winner. I mean like good for what it is. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yes. I saw was, the first it one. It was fantastic. And it was, I think it was more comical than the first one. 100%. Like, good. I think because I think they leaned into it because the first one they advertised like a serious shark action adventure movie. Right. But it was so cheesy. I was oh. like, how am I supposed Absolutely. to feel about this? Right. And then, so with the second one, I feel like they really leaned into like, we're just going to go all out. We're going to bring dinosaurs into it. And <laughs> they do lean all in. And it is. And it's like <laughs> I want to see it. It's, so, it's absolutely yeah, worth watching. Good. So, <laughs> without spoilers, the scene at the end where he kills one of the sharks. I saw a picture. Sorry. Wow! No, sorry, <laughs> sorry. There, uh, somebody did a still of that, and they're like, "When I eat a chip and it goes sideways, <laughs> you know." <laughs> like, <laughs> so I heard based on that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. 100% worth watching. Oh, yeah. Cool. Definitely worth watching. It was, we'll watch it again, even. It was just so yeah. ridiculous. Okay. Can yeah, I make a got... serious point about this mm -hmm. just now? Yeah. It's really easy for me to talk about a movie I like. Yeah. I have enjoyed yeah. because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it that we approach the gospel differently? Absolutely. And now you're bringing it all back. Yeah. Full circle. So, like, yeah, for real, though, like, think about that. Why, why is it we have to, like, we feel like it's a burden for us to talk about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus probably isn't core in our life. Yep. Mm -hmm. And if he was, then it's like a super easy, fun, Natural. easy Absolutely. conversation to have. We're just like, man, yeah, here's here's the greatness of what God has done yeah. for us through Dude. Jesus. Which is a dope, like I said, great shift of perspective. I remember really, uh, there's a group of us in college just striving to to implement that change of perspective of like, there was there was a, it was a time where me and a buddy noticed like anytime we'd bring up Jesus, like, oh, I'm excited that the Lord's doing this in our lives, but I've been learning this at Bible study. It was like the group collectively would be like, oh, like we got to get solemn now because we're talking oh, about Jesus. Gosh. Like we got to get really serious. And I was like, no, I mean, it's just part of life. Like we can talk about Jesus. We can talk about what we're going to eat. We can talk about who won the game last night. Like, well, I'm probably not going to talk about that, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but we can discuss these things because it's, it's our life. Like in our, if Christ is core, the language that we use now, I didn't use that in college, but if Christ is core. It's going to come out in yep. life. It's going to come, yep. it's going to come out naturally. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a simpler view for evangelizing? Mm. Uh, yeah, make it about Jesus and not about us. Mm -hmm. Like actually talk about the gospel, mm -hmm. the good news of what Jesus has done. Don't let your story be in the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. Within that as well as we touched on, we touched on a bunch with that as like a, a banner. We touched on a bunch in regards to don't make it about behavior modification. Make it about Jesus. Don't make it about, um, about your pride or your story and mm -hmm. like make it about Jesus. Um, and also don't feel like, don't make it about guilt if you're not doing it the way that you were, that culture deems you should. 
Like make yeah. it about Jesus. And so yeah. if your life's about Jesus, just make it about Jesus. Like you don't have to, this isn't necessarily a gifting or a way that every single person should do life. We're not going to all be in the dairy aisle holding people mm-hmm. crying as they're getting milk. But if your life's about Jesus, you're inevitably, inevitably going to talk about Jesus. Yep. That's dope. That's great. That's great. Okay. I'll keep that going. Uh, awesome. That was great. That's a good time. That's a good time. That's, That's a good conversation. I enjoy these conversations. I enjoy these things that like, you had said something at the very beginning, Ryan, where where you had said, of course, it's not this it's about this. It's obviously about Jesus. But then you began to kind of deconstruct the, the cultural view and stuff like that. But as you said, it's obviously about Jesus. My first thought is like, I don't know how obvious that is, mm-hmm. but it feels so simple mm-hmm. to to someone who 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 strives to, to keep Christ's core, who acknowledges uh, what the gospel idea is, who has a proper perspective concerning these things. And so I as as elementary as some of these conversations might feel for those of us who've had it for a long, who've had these conversations for a long time, I think they're conversations, which is the thrust of the show that are so necessary because if we really get like, don't just touch the surface, but really get deep for a lot of people's perspective, it's not as obviously about mm-hmm. Jesus, it seems. Yeah. And so I like, I like that. I like the, the tone of the whole episode with doing that. So to encourage you guys listening like this, this is a, make it about Jesus. Like oh, keep, keep Christ's core. Like, <laughs> like be, don't, don't allow your own behavior to, to bring about condemnation turn to Christ. Don't allow your view of people who need Jesus to be about their behavior, but make it about Christ. Like just lean into the truth of the gospel and the freedom that comes from that. Uh, you know who I like to lean into? That was weird. What transition? Uh, Steven, I'm not going to go into it too far. <laughs> yeah, just leave it. Keep going. Keep going. I'm interested now. <laughs> no. Uh, we're at the, we're at the... <laughs> That's right. I had this idea. If, that, if there was uh, a royalties, I would just play that song right there. The Lady and the Tramp. Remember that old cartoon? Mm-hmm. They're sucking the spaghetti together. Like, <laughs> just going to lean in towards each other. Yeah, lean into it, man. Uh, have, you not, have, you, have you not seen the LGBTQ of that? No. Mm-hmm. Apparently, both dogs were female. That the actual dogs that they based the cartoon drawings on, and they're like, uh, "Oh, good, it's a lesbian, lesbian love scene." <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just threw up my Speaking mouth. of lesbian love scenes, there's Steven. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> we're at the garden audio as always. You like to lean uh, into it. Steve Steven's great. Uh, be sure to find him on social media. Uh, his, him and his wife are in a realty group now called 87 Realty Group. Go go uh, give them a follow if you want. Uh, tips on buying a house, tips on on uh, what the market's doing right now. And uh, if you're in the San Angelo area, reach out to them if you're looking for a new house or uh, gauging what you should do in the market. And while you're there, say, hey, thank you for Simpler. And while you're over at Facebook or Instagram, follow at SimplerPod. That's where we are. And hey, if you're listening to this on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, wherever, be sure to hit subscribe, leave review that helps aid in the algorithm so that we can continue uh, having these conversations and having the audience grow because um, it's it's great to hear of the, the the fruit that comes from these conversations and the the messages that we do get either as individuals or through uh, through our social media just of people growing and contemplating and learning and things like that so we want to continue to see that grow so leave a review leave a comment subscribe where you can and as always keep Christ as core what could be simpler than that we'll see y'all next week bye